Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com. What should you do when someone asks you what you think about the story of creation? How should you respond? No, you don't need to get defensive. You don't need to get on your high horse and say things like Big Bang or evolution or even young earth theory. Instead, what you need to say when someone asks you what you think about the creation story, you simply need to look at them and say, creation story in the Bible? Which one? Careful observers of the Bible and Genesis in particular will point out that there is not one creation account, there are two. There's the one that we read just a moment ago. And then there's the one that comes immediately following. Some of the themes of that were mentioned earlier in the service during one of our responsive readings. Two creation accounts. (laughs) Apparently one wouldn't do. Apparently one didn't give the full picture of what God was up to. How are we to make sense of this? I like how Roberta Hestings talks about it. She says, the first account, the one that we just read, gives us a summary. And to her, it's like how she responds after she's cooked a meal for her family. Hey, y'all, dinner's ready, and it's good. Instead of going into great detail, she simply says, dinner is ready. It's here on the table. Had a bite of it, and it's absolutely tasty. She reminds us that she could have said a lot of other things. She could have said, let me tell you about the recipe that I used, or let me show, the, show you the pots and pans, the ladle and the spoon. No, not that one, that other one. She could have gone into all the different stages of preparing and creating that meal, but instead, she simply said, y'all, dinner's served. Grab it and growl. She goes on to say that the second story takes you into the process and reveals more of the tension and the dynamic and the interaction that we see between God the Creator and humanity, the created, or creatures. In that first creation account, God creates something out of nothing. And along with it, he created us, his prized creation. Oh, don't get me wrong, everything else, I mean, it's, it's all well and fine, but we, we, are his prized creation. God said, let's make humankind in our image according to our likeness. And so God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God creates. 
And it's good. Actually, it's very good. That is, until it isn't. That's the big difference in the two creation accounts. In the first one, it's all good. But in the second one, we learned that it's not all good. Did you catch it? Have you identified what's not good about what God has created? In the first creation story, man and woman are created simultaneously, literally out of nothing. God creates male and female. But in the second creation account, Adam is created first from dust and then Eve from Adam's rib. The Bible tells us, the Lord said, it's not good for the man that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. What's not good about creation? Being alone. Let that sink in for just a moment. It's all good. It's very good. But not being alone. We've been created to be in community and to not be alone. We've been created to gather together on the Sabbath day where God rested. We've been created to be together in your Sunday school classes, in this extraordinary choir. We've not been created to be alone or to be isolated or left to our own devices. It's not good. We've been created to go out in creation for church picnics down by the river to watch our children play in the grass, to watch an eagle swoop down and pick up something out of the river, to watch as a thunderstorm builds across the balsams. We have not been created to be alone. It's not good. The story of creation gives us in my opinion, several takeaways and at least, <laughs> at least one or two instances of hope for us in our current context. God is the creator. Full stop. God is the creator. Now, how he cooked it up, <laughs> I have to tell you, is beyond me. I am not God. Interestingly and blessedly, the language of science, I believe, helps to articulate and express the poetry that we find here in these two creation accounts. For me, there is no threat. God is the creator. And I love to marvel at how God does it. I believe that God spoke creation into being, and it was. And have you forgotten? What God has created is good. It's very good. Have you noticed that God seemingly delights in creating and is himself creative? I mean, he comes off as a giddy child in his capacity to enjoy what he's doing. Hey, let's do this. And look, isn't it good? Hey, you like that? Watch this. 
let's, let's do this. Let's imagine this. And he did. And let me tell you, it is good stuff. You think I'm done. No, I'm just getting started. God even takes time off to rest and to marvel and to enjoy the good work that he's done. What better reason do you need than to join us out at the river tonight and string up a hammock and be godlike in being together and to enjoy the gift of creation and the presence of God in you, in me, and in all of us? I love this. I love that God creates something out of nothing, which I have to tell you is certainly encouraging today. Yes, God is in the resurrection and transformation business. We get that. But let's not go to sleep on the fact that God is first and foremost a creator. And don't you want some new things to be created in our midst? Just when we think things are declining to the point of atrophy, that we can't get any kind of a critical mass in any number of different ways, isn't it hopeful to know that God is in the creating business. He's not just good at it, he loves it. He delights in it. Who in their right mind would think that God is done creating? Just look around. As God's creatures, we too have been gifted with the ability to create which is both blessing and curse, isn't it? With our words, we create or tear down. With our actions, we create and build up or tear down. With the gifts that we've been given to create, we can choose to not create anything at all. And reap that harvest also. Yes, there is a, a sense of responsibility that comes with dominion and stewardship and creation. And it frequently goes wrong, but I'm getting ahead of myself. For centuries and centuries, God's creatures have tried to figure out what we've been created for. Go back in time a little bit. I mean, keep scrolling. Created in 1647 in the reform movement in the church, the Westminster Shorter Catechism asked the right question. They asked, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I mean, that's good. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Sign me up. What a, a lovely charge and hope for us that we have been created to glorify God with our actions, our words, what we build up, not what we tear down. And that we get to live a life where we enjoy God's presence forever. 
It reminds me of something that Jesus said, that we are the salt of the earth, that we're the light of the world. So we should let our light shine before others so that they may see your good works, your creations, and give glory to God in heaven. We have been created to create good And we know what that good looks like because of Christ Jesus. And when we do, it invites others to glorify God. And guess what, y'all? That's the chief end of man and woman and child and senior adult and teenager and all of us together to create good as God creates and to delight and enjoy God himself. We know God by marveling at his handiwork. It is no accident that we live here, is it? You may have been born here and you could have left. You didn't. You retired and could live anywhere. I can think of any number of wonderful, amazing communities and places worldwide. Instead, you chose to be here. You may be a part of a choir or with family or friends or visiting in our community. There are many places that you could have been, but instead we're here together. Why? I think we're marveling at God's handiwork that when we turn the shades and step outside and when we look around, we see God's handiwork. And it's good. Just as we are called to delight in what's around us, we are called to delight in the one who created it. Ordinary time. (laughs) On a day like today, ordinary, blue skies, mountains in the distance, the birds chirping, the vines spreading, the grass greener than ever, the streams full, the waterfalls cascading, ordinary. <laughs> if you stop and think about it, y'all, there's, there's nothing ordinary about the world that God has created. We've been created to delight in creation as God delights in creation. And we do so best when we delight and enjoy God together. 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 It's not good to be alone. Let us pray. God, we know community and communion because of you, O God, a divine dance of Father, Son, and Spirit, of Creator, Sustainer, Redeemer. Thank you, God, for creating, for breathing life into creation, and for sustaining that which you have called to live and to enjoy you So on this glorious beginning of summer, help us, God, to not take anything or anyone for granted. Help us to choose community over isolation and to invite others who may feel isolated to be invited into our presence.
that is your presence. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.